You're listening to Once, episode 339, The Guardian. Hello and welcome back to Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Jeremy. I'm Aaron. And we're here to talk about The Guardian. <sighs> this episode. <laughs> we're here to complain about The Guardian. No, not really. I don't it- even want to complain. It's just they're doing exactly what I thought they would do, which is like wrapping things up as quickly as possible. And also not. In a way that doesn't always make the best sense. Yeah. Yeah, so so that's, I guess, your overall verdict. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I would agree. It was um yeah, it was not horrible, but it wasn't it wasn't great, and it was it was a little frustrating. And as we always find out when we start trying to break it down thematically, so that we can discuss it in something that's not all over the place. I mean, all over the place for us, but not, we try to follow storylines. And when we try to do that lately, it's been very, very difficult. It's been difficult. And I do want to say I did like first watch. I enjoyed this episode a lot. Second watch when I'm being a little bit more critical, trying to think of things for the podcast. It wasn't as good. Yeah. But there were still aspects that I quite enjoyed. And the good thing is I'm still theorizing. So that's true. They haven't totally lost us. Yeah. So yes, if you are new to listening to the podcast, please go back and listen to some of the podcasts from when we enjoyed the show a lot better. <laughs> they were great. <laughs> um, we will... But also, we are taking a thematic approach or attempting to take a thematic approach. Yes. And I almost... It's kind of... They're in an awkward spot because they're having to... Well, that's not true. I was going to say they're having to finish stories we don't care as much about, but they're actually wrapping up some of the most basic stories from the beginning of the show. This is this was a really dagger-centric episode, <laughs> and yet all the players are new, almost. Mm-hmm. And yeah, well, let's, let's get in. We've got some good feedback, some good thoughts that actually, uh, I don't know, made me like it even a little less. <laughs> I think something that does help, though, is that I like Alice so much. I I really enjoyed that aspect of this storyline, both past and present. So, so that is that is very helpful. It overcomes a lot of my annoyance at the fact that someone who's brand new to the show and the child of someone from a wish realm that shouldn't have existed is the key to the whole thing. <laughs> well, and so here's my question about that. Was that their plan all along? Because we have had theories all along that Alice was the guardian because of where Rumpelstiltskin appeared and that was the first person he met and that was what we thought Belle had implied. But then they took this whole segue where Anastasia was the guardian <laughs> for a while. Yeah. And so was that the plan all along or are they just like, oh no, we got canceled. Now we need to actually wrap this up and we sent Anastasia back to another realm. It's very confusing. Sidebar. But it still makes whose, sense. Whose feedback <laughs> was it that mentioned 
Keeper of Squid Ink sent in some feedback, and among the points in that was that same thing. Like, why did we go off on the whole Anastasia kick? Well, that was Gothel who implied, like, Gothel and Drizella definitely implied that Anastasia was the Guardian. I don't believe Rumpelstiltskin ever did. I seem to remember him arguing with Lady Tremaine about that, and he was leaning that way, and she was pretty resistant to the idea. But I don't... I guess I don't understand, because it did feel when he left the Edge of Realms, he was supposed to go to the time and place where the Guardian was waiting for him. And the first person he met was Alice. And it seemed incredibly was she obvious. Waiting for him? Well, she wasn't waiting per se, but she rarely knows what it is she's doing. <laughs> but then the definition is pure of heart. So anybody who's pure of heart could be the Guardian, yeah? Well, she also has magic. Yes, but so does Anastasia. And maybe there's some fate slash destiny in it. I don't know. Right, which is, that's a rant for later. Yeah, they have just gotten so off the rails, I don't question things the way I used to. There's a part of me that's sort of just like, yes, yes, okay, thank you for the rules of engagement. Let's do the story and figure out where it's going to end. Because there's so little consistency now in all of the magical things that it's almost like I don't even look for it anymore. They had a lot of rules for engagement in this episode because I found myself writing down like exact quotations (laughs) so that I could remember them because I know that they're going to come into play. And so he talked about fixing the poison heart. And this makes sense to me. If dark magic was used, then the solution would have to be just as dark, except I feel like light snuffs out the darkness, (laughs) right? Well, yeah, that bothers me because when has that ever been a rule in any story, including any kind of heroism and magic? Until Like light magic should always be yeah, stronger. It should. And but certainly... I think they're going to show us that it is. They also gave a very good definition of the Guardian as a, quote, great hero a protector of the Dark One Dagger, known as the Guardian. That is what he said to Nook when he was talking about why he wanted to talk to Alice. (sighs) It doesn't make sense for there to be just uh, someone with a title like the Guardian specifically to correspond to the Dagger and only the Dagger. They, I mean, I could see them saying, oh, there's a prophecy and this Guardian, and then they take that name and they go, you're the Guardian from the prophecy, but... Here, they're, it's more like they just go, oh, yeah, you know, the Guardian, of course, as if that's just a thing. And it, they started that back in Beauty, the episode Beauty, I think, right at the end, actually. That was the episode it was started in, and that was the first mention that we had of the Guardian. But I do feel like we, back in the season with the Dark Ones, <laughs> we theorized that Emma should as the savior and the one with the greatest potential for good for darkness. I don't remember (laughs) that (laughs) she should be the one that could wield both light and dark magic. Yeah. I never liked that idea. Um, 
Well, I do feel like, so say all the cast didn't leave at the end of last season and Emma was still in the show. Would she not be the first person as the savior that you would think of that would then be the guardian of light and dark magic? You would. And interestingly, Jennifer Morrison was initially invited to (laughs) be in the cast for this season. Interesting. However, that would be very odd. That would be an expansion. If they had done that, that would have been an expansion of her role that would have been almost annoying. But they wouldn't have had to say, they wouldn't have even had to change her role title. No, that's true. But she should be, in a sense, in a pure storyline, I still would think of her as Princess Emma, who ended up becoming the savior to this curse, who then fulfilled her destiny and the way the curse was written. And that's it. (laughs) That is true. Because that's a tight storyline. We got, actually, somebody who was probably watching on Friday Night Live and then posted a theory in chat, (laughs) sent us a really good theory about this topic. Uh, So, Faye, thank you for putting your theory in chat. And um, she says, my theory is Rumpel will actually be the guardian. He was destined to be a savior. And he will be the savior in the end. He has saved them all in almost every finale, even against his own parents. Keep this in mind. Rumpel, the most evil, tortured soul of them all, will in the end save them all and be the final savior. He is his own guardian. His own pure heart will save them all. Mark my words. (laughs) And this is the one I really loved. I also believe Emma is going to come back and kiss Henry in the final episodes. I just know it. The last curse will be broken. They will be finding a way to help Henry stay alive and Emma will enter the picture and keep him alive. So I like that theory too. That would be very much a throwback to season one. Yeah, there would be some symmetry in it. I don't know if it works. I don't know if it honors the story that we've all walked through this season. No, it doesn't. Or... I feel like it would be the nail in the coffin for the legacy of (laughs) Henry and Ella. (laughs) Yeah. They've just finally started to get some chemistry. If their kiss isn't what breaks the curse, then their romance is just stupid. (laughs) Well, I already don't think that their kiss is going to be the one that breaks the curse, but it's not because of this theory. And I'll talk about that later. Interesting. Yes. Now, the Rumple having been originally destined to be a savior i had forgotten about the still <laughs> that that whole storyline and the way they started throwing around the word savior all over the place still is weird for me <laughs> yeah but for that whole sort of mythology that they created for the show it would make sense except for the fact that he seems to consider his immortality more a burden almost than the darkness because he's kind of got the darkness under control but he just wants to move on and it seems that the guardian is also burdened with immortality because if the guardian dies who's protecting the dagger and the darkness which you know that's again that's a new concept this episode that the guardian is necessarily saddled with immortality but I don't think Rumpelstiltskin knows that. I think he's just suspecting 
that. It makes sense. It's a logical conclusion, but... That was the whole reason that he didn't go through with it, isn't it? That is. He said, immortality is just another tower. You deserve better than that. You're going to fall in love, grow old with somebody, etc. Right. Yeah. So that theory about him being his own savior... You know, he does say he's going to find another wave, and if it means I lose the battle with the darkness to do so. Which makes very little sense to me. That he's going to find another way? A lot of it. It's like, okay, so, well, <laughs> they've just, they've muddied the concept so much. It, they made it sort of poetic within this one episode, especially with the end of the, the flashbacks, but it we've never... We've gotten hints that the appearance had to do with the darkness before, in that when Bell's kiss started to break the curse, which that was almost more a misstep in season one than anything, because now they act like it's not a simple curse and it can't just be broken with true love's kiss. But when, when that happened, he started to look normal again for a minute, and then he shook it off and... <laughs> kept the darkness but having his hands kind of start to go scaly and it's like well i don't know it was odd it's after seven years that's a new behavior (laughs) they they started treating it like zelina's jealousy yeah i mean it wasn't the most far-fetched thing they've done it's like he's holding the darkness at base somehow and so it's not affecting his outward appearance and then somehow he's losing the fight i but then i guess it happened really rapidly later on so (laughs) well it happened really rapidly when he was trying to get alice to kill facilier that's when he started really changing did he i mean he started talking even in his yeah even in his mannerisms and then i i feel like when they left the house both of his arms were cup like totally changed and i thought it was creeping up in his neck too oh it could have been which uh, okay so let's let's actually talk about that whole sequence of events so there's we kind of start out we see rumple and facilier's first meeting yes which was fun to see facilier caught off guard by the voodoo not working (laughs) that was so good I was a little weirded out by this sudden shrine to the dead where apparently people can go talk to the dead or maybe he just set that up for Belle. I couldn't really tell. Yeah, I think that was just his... I feel like that was in his palace. Maybe not. So that wasn't Facilier's cabin, right? No, his cabin's like teeny tiny. Yeah, I got the first viewing, I I got a little confused. I thought like Facilier that just hung out there and then like maybe that was his place i don't know <laughs> but then i noticed that even when bell's picture was hiding the the cup was still there the the chipped cup and that sort of thing yeah i think that that was just rumpelstiltskin's like mantle like his what did you call it shrine, shrine. yeah it's kind of odd to bell yeah just like well i don't think he has like a gravestone that he can go talk to her at so true not without going back to the edge of realms <laughs> right so there was there was all that stuff. And then they've also, in the middle of all this, they've set up this thing where it's like just a balance of actions. 
because they keep telling Rumple in present day, if you do this, you'll never see Belle. If you do that, you'll never see Belle. Like, well, okay. So everybody can do everything they want, except Rumple, who apparently is just on the edge. It's, anyway, it's a weird, anytime people set up this whole do enough good, you go here, do enough bad, you go there kind of thing. It's very strange to me. Well, yeah, and arguably him forcing Alice or even manipulating her into killing somebody would be a bad deed. Like, isn't right. that even like bi- biblical? Like if you cause your fellow brother or sister in Christ to stumble, you're just as guilty. I don't know if that's true. I'm I'm just remembering old church sermons. <laughs> <laughs> not maybe not quite in that wording, but I, I know what you mean. Yeah, like you don't. If he had made, I guess ultimately Alice would have made her own choice. That's kind of about the the corrupting of <laughs> of others. But. Yeah, but I'm wondering if maybe they were being so black and white about the heart thing, just to try to convince Alice that that was her only way. If she thinks this is the only way to get reunited with her father, mm-hmm. well, then maybe she'll do it. So the whole thing was a test, though. Yes. Which so it wasn't but it's, a trick. It was a test. It was. So if he was turning more scaly, it's almost like was testing her wrong, like lying to her first. He lied to her about why they were going to see Facilier. And then he was trying to get her to kill him. But also that was kind of a a test or a trick. And he was. I think it would have worked, though. Really? I think if she had, I think if she had killed Facilier, I, I mean, there's no reason to have led her astray. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, well, maybe I don't know. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't say, at, nor could any of them, whether <laughs> <laughs> killing Facilier would have in any way helped Nook and Alice. Well, a life for a life, right? Like that's. I'm going back to season two B when Snow White killed. Cora. <laughs> with the candle yeah that was um didn't she have to trade she had to trade her own pure heart right yeah to she kill was, another yeah well she darkened her heart and she was trading oh rumpelstiltskin's life yes yeah, she was trading cora's life for rumpelstiltskin so then it you know a trade of a a heart for a heart and it being black magic or dark magic, that would make sense. Right. That that would work. It just, I just don't think it's the only thing in the whole world yeah. of magic that would work. But mostly Rumple wanted to prove that she was the guardian. I don't yes, think he really wanted her to kill him, but he tried to get her to as hard as he could to show that she just would not. So, but that, you know, that reminded me of Gothel. Gothel's been doing that stuff. Oh, yeah. That's what she did to Tremaine, right? Mm-hmm. Or Rapunzel. The, right. She's been doing these. And then that also, actually, because Rumpel was very convincing, you would swear if he hadn't turned around and explained it, and if we didn't know him, we would swear that he really wanted her to kill him. I think he would have been disappointed had she done it, but he wouldn't have been heartbroken. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. I, but that makes me wonder, could it be I kinda I really hope not actually, but could it be that that's exactly what Gothel's been doing and she really 
didn't necessarily want people dead. I think that's not true because she's been killing people herself. So never mind that. (laughs) Yeah, but at one point, I do think she was looking for. And who knew that she would be the one to birth the Guardian? Oh, true. I keep forgetting that. I have to remind myself of that constantly. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's Gothel's daughter, which is creepy. Why do they keep doing this to us? What? Connecting everybody by blood? No, the creepy (laughs) parentage. Like, yeah, you know, they keep talking about Robin's legacy and all this stuff. And I was reminded recently, yeah, Robin Hood didn't know he was with Selena at the time. Oh, right. <laughs> like, you guys should shy away from that as much as possible. All right. Like, that was yeah. a misstep. And they just keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, I totally forgot about that. And then exactly the same thing here. But it doesn't, like, Gothel is magic. That makes sense. So it makes sense that Alice has magic. Nook is not magical. And I'm glad that you just said that because that had been a question mark. Like, okay, where did Alice get magic? From Gothel. It would be more surprising if she didn't. Have magic. Yeah. Yeah. But, so now we know that Alice has this destiny. We also know she can pull out hearts. Well, really awkwardly, but yes. Yeah. And <laughs> did like, you notice? What is she doing to him? Oh, now she has his heart, but it's kind of darkened. And so is that a heart? It took me a minute to clue into Ooh, what was happening. Dr. Facilier's heart is so dark, you didn't even recognize it as a heart. Mm-hmm. That I think that informs our opinion of him in the present. Agreed. But what I don't understand, <laughs> I feel like Rumpelstiltskin of all people knows that destiny can't really be beat and now he's trying to rob alice of her destiny and i understand he's actually that was a good deed that was a good thing he did he's trying to give her a normal life like nook wanted and he's trying not to imprison her with the same immortality that he feels is imprisoning him but if that's what she was born to do right i had the same thought Like, maybe it's not a burden. If that's her fate or her destiny, then why is he saying no? Also, when he says find another way, does he literally mean a way other than a guardian? Because isn't he going to have the same feeling that he's burdening someone, no matter who it is? Unless he finds someone who's already guarding something, and so they're immortal already. Well, and the light magic characters don't seem to have the same burden with immortality. Right. Like, we've never seen Blue Fairy griping that she's still alive. (laughs) Well, she's a nun, so like... (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, but even in the past... Maybe that's why fairies don't love. I guess that is what they said. Maybe. They don't love? Well, they don't get to be in love. Yeah, I guess so. That's Maybe that's why, so they can... They don't have to worry about outliving somebody. I think Alice is going to still be the Guardian. I think so, too. Yeah. She was 90% of the way there. <laughs> and it was light magic, it looked like. I was vaguely annoyed that the dagger was telling her what to do. In present day? Mm-hmm. The dagger has never been anything but insidious. And the darkness that it's bound to is absolutely menacing and insidious. But it's kind of like, oh, you're the one that's going to contain the darkness forever? Here's how you do it. 
No. What, the darkness wants to rest? I doubt it. Interesting. I never thought of that. It's just lazy. Yeah. When, okay, in previous seasons, though, the dagger did talk. Like, the dagger whiffs... The dagger whispered to the Dark Ones, right? In the Dark One season? Mm-hmm. But then what happened to the sword? Uh, oh. Guess what we should have done. Hashtag hire the nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what happened to Excalibur? Well, there was a piece and it was connected with the dagger again. Is that right? Excalibur. The dagger was Excalibur. Well, it was the rest of it. Was the rest, yeah, but was it reunited? Or they tried to reunite it? Somebody did? I remember, no, Emma was trying to do that. Seems to me it was done. And then it was destroyed, and then that should have been the end of all the Dark Ones. But they found the loophole because they wanted Rumpel to be back as the Dark One, and then there was a new dagger. This is not the original dagger. Oh. Oh my goodness. I just want to share, I looked up the Dark One's dagger at the the main Once Upon a Time wiki. Mm-hmm. Under the history, here are the sections under history. Before First Curse, <laughs> during First Curse, after First Curse. Before, during, and after Second Curse. Before and after Third Curse. After and during, no, after Fourth Curse and during Fifth Curse. <laughs> Excalibur was broken into at one point. And the dagger was part of it. And then there was another shard, as I recall. And it was put back together. And it was destroyed when Emma killed Hook. And should have been gone forever. But then there was the worst reset in Once Upon a Time history. (laughs) When, in ways that made no sense, Rumpelstiltskin stole back the power and a new Dark One dagger was formed. This one that we see now that's a little bit darker than before. Right. I do think that was possibly the worst moment in the show's history. That's probably why I don't remember it. Because they had brought the entire Dark One story to a close and really finished Rumpel's story in that he was no longer the Dark One. And then they just, I believe that was also the 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 part where they literally said, luckily, a vial of magic was at hand, and they had never referred to magic as a substance before. And, <laughs> gosh, that really... Mm, I'm having bad flashbacks. Was that season five? It was a season. Yeah. It, it was right before the underworld because that's where hook went right gotcha so 5a yeah i believe so a very dark moment in once upon a time history no pun intended (laughs) and so that wasn't even at the end of a season where they're like oh no we got renewed for another season and now we need to come up with content and Darkwind Dagger has been so paramount in this series. So we better bring it back. Correct. <laughs> it was in the middle of a season. Yes. <laughs> it's funny because I think that a lot of these things happen like the story that we're watching now and I connect it back to its roots and I often, my brain just chops out the parts that didn't make sense in the middle. And so I enjoy it a little bit more because, and you know, until we've been thinking about some of this, I forgot it wasn't the original dagger. 
Yeah, I I did too. I it's interesting because what you just said is something I wanted to bring up, which is Rumpelstiltskin said all magic comes with a price. I guess it was finally my turn to pay, which is very much a throwback to season one. How many right. times did he say all magic comes with a price? So then I would love for this to happen. We got really good feedback literally a half an hour after we were supposed to start recording. So <laughs> our fans have great faith in our timekeeping skills. Right. Um, so we got this great feedback and it's by, it's from Keeper of Squid Ink and was directed at me because of a reference <laughs> I made. So it says, Aaron, you have referenced an apple red as blood from season one a lot. By any chance, have you rewatched lately? I have not. I just remember that episode. One of the last scenes of this episode is when Regina prances into Mr. Gold's shop, claiming she has gotten rid of an unwanted nuisance, Emma. Rumple has that worried look on him. When he realizes she used magic to make magic, he tells her that all magic comes with a price. Regina taunts him by saying he will be the one to pay the price right here because the curse is stronger than ever. We assumed that meant in the context of season one, it would be creepy cool if it was foreshadowing what we just saw in this episode and it may come later for the finale. So I would love if I had enough confidence now in these writers that they could do something like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's just a lack of, it's not all their fault. It's partially the way network television works. They never know their future. But also make that connection, though. Yeah, I just I think that if they were to do it now, it would be retconning and it would be terrible. But making the connection of like this suffering right now that Regina is going through because her son is cursed is her price of magic. Because even in season one and two, the price of magic was never fully established because I remember a smackdown between Emma and Regina in season 2B where they were fighting over Henry and um, Emma uses magic. Oh, and I can't remember the exact wording, but it was a great scene. It's when they were trying to uh, freeze Regina with like the squid ink and Snow and Charming were hiding and then Mary, um, Mother Mother Blue Fairy came out <laughs> <laughs> and tried to get her. Um and uh, Emma basically implied that the price of magic was Henry. He'll never want to come near you again. And then they had that big Regina went, you will not keep my son from me and flung Emma. Like that was very much implying that Henry was going to pay the price of the magic because he was heartbroken. Like to me, that's not a price of magic. That's a consequence of bad parenting. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That uh, they've gotten a little too literal with the price of magic in some ways. Mm-hmm. I it was I was pretty comfortable with it. I never I don't remember questioning it too much in season one. Like oh, he said always. That means every single time they use magic, there's a price. Like that's never been how it's worked. Because otherwise, it's like oh, you poofed somewhere. I think you're gonna have to pay. I don't know. Well, it's kind of like the wishes, the genie wishes is you have to be careful what you wish for because the wish doesn't always come out the way you expect it to. Yeah. The whole idea that when you used the wishes, you had to be very careful and specific to me is kind of like the price of magic where you might get what you're 
wanting, but some other horrendous consequence pays the price. And they were, now that we're thinking about it, now that I'm thinking about it, in the episode we already referenced where Snow used the candle, the price of magic to me was her darkened heart. Right. No, I agree. And other things that happened. But yeah, more directly, that was a price. Hmm. Do you know who doesn't seem to be concerned about the price of magic? Dr. Facilier. Yeah. <laughs> I... He's... I, I don't get him. I don't. I don't get his presence as a character. I'm super tired of the Facilier Regina thing. It makes zero sense. And we just do not have the time. Agreed. Also, I thought he was lying, for sure. Oh, when he said he didn't have the dagger? Yeah. (laughs) Because he said, I don't have it, not I didn't take it. So I was like, oh, Oh. he's just doing that play on words thing where it's like, I don't have it. Yes, because I got Drew to steal it for me. That's what I was assuming (laughs) had happened. I see. But I did, like, see, they're still, like, giving us more things that they're going to have to finish or they just won't finish them and that's fine because we're used to that too but he said to regina have you noticed it's always him being rumpelstiltskin slithering between you and me so that is implying such a history that we don't even know well that's gonna have to be the flashbacks of the next episode because we have what we have three-ish two two episodes before the last two weeks and I'm still Before assuming that what I heard was correct, that the last two episodes will somehow be connected as a two-part finale. But yeah, that leaves two two regular episodes before those two. Now, the finale could include this whole story, which would be different from what they do most years. Even- I think it has to, though, because they're not opening a new can of worms this time. They could. It might be an old can of worms, but they could still. (laughs) It could could still completely change gears. I wouldn't be mad, even if they wanted to just sort of wrap half the stuff up next week. I wouldn't be upset. I think that they've been, well, they've been at least aiming towards wrapping things up. Have they actually wrapped anything up in the last two weeks? Well, Drizella and Anastasia and Tremaine, that whole storyline to me is wrapped up in that piece unless they Mm -hmm. come back, which doesn't have to happen again. Like I had theorized that they were going to come back and help because I thought Anna was the guardian because they thought Anna was the guardian. They They... said Anna was the guardian. (laughs) Yes. And they wrapped up the who's killing witches storyline in the revelation that it was Nick by disassociation with Facilier. Well, I don't think it was dissociation. I think it was It was Nick not understanding that he was doing someone else's work, and that's why he was awake. Right. Okay, that's true. And then they've used that, like, in this episode, at least it was clever. Yes, and Zelina. It was clever in this episode, clever writing, to have used that Nick wrap-up like he's dead, but they've they've right. used that as the catalyst to get Henry and Jacinda into a better situation. Right. 
and to move that part of the story on a little bit better. Yeah, it is. It is weaving, no weaver pun intended. It is weaving together (laughs) fairly well. It's just, it doesn't feel very coherent as a single season story arc. Because our main characters going into the season are gone. And we have, we, we realize that we're mostly watching other main characters that, I mean, aside from our main cast, you know, all the people that were introduced this year, mostly that I guess it's like we thought we had a new cast, but we only had we really didn't. We had like half new cast, half seven A cast, and then we have our seven B cast, which is Drew and Facilier and Robin, and there was yeah. some weaving in. Well, Alice, yeah, but she's kind yeah, of been she throughout. Was original. It's yeah. like they they did thankfully introduce a lot of the people that we're focusing on now in the first half of the season, but they clearly weren't there for the main story at that point. I feel like they've always done that. They've gotten better at it when they started when they started splitting the season's stories, they were really bad. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe they got better at having contracts with their actors. Because I think what was happening, or at least what I heard, like in the background, not official like news, is that the actors weren't in, in the beginning of the show. They were not series regulars. Therefore, they were not bound by contract and they wanted to be working and they weren't being used. Yeah. So I know that happened with Meg and Ori and she's given statements about it, um, that that happened in season two and that's when they got the rights to Neverland. Right. (laughs) But originally she was meant to be used for the whole arc of that season. And then they split up the season and they went on in the Neverland direction and then she wasn't being used anymore. And then I know that that also happened with Michael Saka, who they brought from Wonderland into once proper and then never used him. Mm, we don't speak of that. <laughs> well, it still happened. <laughs> it should not have. Agreed. Yeah, that they needed to just turn the array. They that I was okay. Like if they wanted to sweep that under the rug and pretend it never happened, I was happy to look the other way. Um, some of the stuff <laughs> that they abandoned, like Ruby's stuff in season two, it's like they just ripped off her shadow and left her face down in the sand. Oh wait, that was Greg and Tamara. <laughs> But it does feel kind of like they're doing that again because Tiana was at one point a very uh, main part of this cast. Like, I think that's what you meant when you said 7A. Yes. And then now she's not really being used. She's kind of just a chill, casual character. Well, and really, if you think about it, Gothel's not in this half of the season. She's very much still part of the story because they talk about her all the time. But when's the last time we saw her? She'll be back. I think this has been... Our is this our second or third episode without her? I well, yeah, she was the last time we saw her. I think was right before Sisters. Anastasia and Drizella left. It was the sisterhood episode? Yeah. So this is our th- is third. Yeah. So I'm I'm probably exaggerating a little bit. That means I don't know how many of those first five episodes of this half she was in. I think she was in all of them. Maybe she was. And so maybe I'm slightly exaggerating, but I still think it's sort of like they wanted her in half of the episodes of this season total. And they're sort of sprinkling those here and there. So she gets talked about, but we haven't seen her in a little while. I assume because we're going to see her a lot. 
in the next at least two episodes. I do think we're going to see her a lot. And I think that the things that she is the most related to, which is this, this like Alice storyline and the Nook storyline, like that's all of her history. I think that they did need to establish these, this information that we've been getting in the last three episodes needed to be established before she comes back. She'll be back. She has to be obviously. (laughs) I don't think they can send her to forgotten character Island quite yet. No, certainly. The question is, what's going to happen to her? Well, I do not know. Maybe (laughs) she's going to join forces with Regina because Regina's pretty much burned all of the bridges of everybody that she could be asking for help. Well, maybe not Facilier because maybe she'll see him later. I, when she said to Rumple, you and I were through, first of all, he didn't even use all the magic. So if they wanted oh, to imply he that he did, he impl- they should have rinsed out that jar because it definitely still had magic <laughs> at the bottom. <laughs> I watched it so carefully. I don't know why he dumped it all. I mean, it felt like he just, I thought he just wanted a little of it. Yeah. Like they could have done half C's. I think, uh, I think Tilly should check that backpack of hers a little more frequently. <laughs> yeah. Apparently things just poof into it. And they're very incriminating and or dangerous. Yes. I couldn't figure out what they were going for with Rumple in this story. Are they trying is is this a battle present day? Is it a battle like he's always had but he's winning? Because he started to seem I mean Regina had some points. He felt very selfish and like he was going to sacrifice anything to get what he wanted. I thought it was very pointed and telling when he was starting to get really sarcastic and she says you mean your grandson yes we had feedback about that from deandre and he just talked about how annoyed he is that rumble is still so callous towards henry and how they're making him like that again and by they we mean the authors of this particular episode because a week ago, maybe two, he was very interested in what was going on with Henry. And Henry didn't like it. Yeah, that's true. And he was speaking to Henry's character. And, yeah. Sorry, when we're on this topic, all I can think of is little Henry on the swing and Rumpelstiltskin, <laughs> like, making the swing yes. disconnect way back. That was, like, that was definitely... When the prophecy was that the young boy would be his undoing, and they thought that it was Henry. I have been tossing that scene around in my mind, too, because <laughs> that was just like the epitome of how can you be like this toward your family? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So DeAndre said, I really want to love Rumble, but when they choose to write him this way, it really upsets me because... It's a part of his foundation and his story that began everything in their universe and this series being um, Bay, who is Henry's son. I hope there is some resolution, not only with the Dark One side of the story, but also between he and Henry, Neil Balefire's son and Rumpel's grandson. It does seem so strange every time they do this, like DeAndre said, it seems so strange that they can make him like that when the whole premise of this entire series was that he was trying to get to his son 
That's true. In Land Without Magic. And Henry is a direct result of that happening. Yep. And now he's very fixated on getting to Belle, but he he still has his other son, Gideon, somewhere, presumably. Doing very well in his studies. Yes. Well, that was a while back. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is my problem with fairy tales is they, maybe this is real life. I don't know. I don't have step parents, but like we talked about in the Hansel and Gretel story, it's like the birth parent always chooses the step parent over the children. I don't think that that's how reality works. Maybe like I said, I've just grown up in a very nice reality where that did not happen but right like how is he going to choose bell over his children and grandchildren plus it's like well it's the same thing he said to regina but in reverse it's like yes all of these situations have been going on for a long time you can find a way to die later you need to save henry right now right Why is this so... Okay, the urgency was inserted artificially by saying, oh, by the way, he's losing his battle with the darkness. So he can't remain just a good person anymore. The darkness is probably going to overtake him again. Which actually, if I'm being honest, makes more sense than Rumpel with all the darkness inside him just still deciding to be a good person and remaining that way. And makes far more sense than Hook being a good person because he forgot he was the Dark One. But still, they didn't talk about it before this week. (laughs) It's it really, it's just one of those things where it's like they've got something here, but you would swear that they're not talking to each other. It's like they've all got different ideas, and when they get their turn... The writers, I mean, it's like when they get their turn, they just, they bring out their ideas, but they didn't talk to each other and start to weave these ideas in so that when their episode came around, it would make more sense. What's that game? Is it called Mad Libs? Where you just like pick a noun and a verb and an adjective and an object and you just, that's all you know about it. And then you fill in the blanks and it tells a story. Or like those posts that are going around Facebook where it's like, you can only say three words and continue on the story. So you just get to say once upon a, and then the next person get might say time, or they might say <laughs> once upon a cloud or something. That, that, sorry, that's a shoe store here. Are you implying no, that they not. play Mad Libs and thereby write the script? Are you implying something different? it's kind of what you just said maybe (laughs) they're not talking to each other they're just like writing alone in a room (laughs) with no cell phone it's it's, well the the problem comes in i know we're kind of getting off on a tangent but it's it's as if they're playing tug of war with the character development right it's like one week a character seems way more advanced than they used to be. And we're like, wow, you've really come a long way. And then the next week, the next set of writers goes, um, no, pull it back a little bit. They haven't come that far. Which is, you said something about this last week. And then I got this great theory of how they should like revolutionize the writing of TV shows. <laughs> <laughs> 
where instead of having writers swap episodes, they should swap characters. <laughs> so like Adam Horowitz always writes Regina and then Eddie Kitsis gets to always write Rumpelstiltskin and then Jana Spenson gets to always write. Actually, she should be Regina because she gets the witty comments, <laughs> right? Like they should each get a character <laughs> right? instead of each getting an episode. I think that would make this. At least it would make the character stuff go a whole lot better. Or, yeah, or have consultants. I don't know, now that we're getting really into how should a TV <laughs> show be done. But, it, you know, and it's it's sort of too late for Once Upon a Time. But now we're living in a day where <laughs> Netflix and those sorts of networks, if you will, are releasing shows whole seasons at a time. And so while they may not have a whole series planned out as they should... They have a whole season and it shows because the way the story flows from one episode to the next to the next, you know, without a doubt that by the time you get to episode 13, they knew that stuff was going to happen when they did episode one and episode two. And the stuff that happened in those episodes was setting you up for the rest of the story all the way through, you know, just like reading a book, watching a movie. And that's how <laughs> all TV shows should be. And especially as they've become serialized. I mean, we've come a long way from the days where like Star Trek, the next generation had very few continuing story arcs. They could just, you establish the characters, you write next week's story and people, I mean, honestly, they had a little more character continuity even then, but the story could just go off in a different direction because they were going to wrap it up that week. It's just not like that anymore, but the networks haven't adapted. They still are like, ah, we'll keep you around as long as people are watching. Hmm." I don't know, because I just have been binge watching a show that I have PVR'd. So it's been on every week, like this show, but I just, I don't have time to keep up with it. And now it's over. And so now I'm trying to to just finish the series (laughs) because the series finale, I think, was last week. And... I couldn't take a break like because all of the episodes are so interconnected and every single episode ended on a cliffhanger. And I'm like, I can't, I, I need to watch the like one more episode before bed. I can't, I can't not know what happens next. (laughs) And so that showrunner and those writers at least have it together. Mm -hmm. They probably also know though, that their show is going to be binged like that. Right. So I don't know. I don't think I could watch that show if I had to wait a week in between. <laughs> but people do because it's still on yeah. live. Yeah, people have said that about Lost too, and yet we held on every week for six years. Well, and think about like before the internet was what it was. <laughs> like they, oh yeah, there was an episode of Buffy that did not air in the states because of very sensitive content given current events that were happening at the time in the United States. Mm -hmm. And apparently I didn't know this because I was like 10 years old, but apparently there was like people from Canada because it aired here, like mailing VHS tapes to their like (laughs) chat room friends from like the dial up internet service. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Because that was the only way that they could watch this episode. Yep. It was actually three episodes of one season that did not get aired almost in a row. <laughs> but yep. now it's like if the USA it in and of itself decided not to air an episode and other countries did, it would be online like 
before yeah. there'd be no point <laughs> before the closing credits yeah they they would be able to get the episode to other people almost as instantly as tilly somehow got the dagger in her backpack <laughs> yep how how did it that was happen there all day magic yeah apparently because she woke up with the buzzing in her head which was apparently the dagger yep magic because so, there is but- magic in this world, in case you didn't notice that Facilier poofed oh, Rumpelstiltskin here. into his car. Whew, that was creepy. The way he did that was super creepy. And why, I think more disconcerting. Well, it was just so sudden. It was like there was no no smoke. It was just boom. Yeah. And I think the weirder part was after watching Rumpel never be put in that position for this many years. It was very odd to see him disoriented. Well, I don't understand why the magic worked. So I don't understand why Facilier has magic. And I don't understand why it would work on Rumpel if it hasn't worked on him in the past. Well, right now, he doesn't have his. So he can't ward it off. But there's enough magic that the Dark One dagger appeared in Tilly's backpack. It's true. And also, he can't be killed, but he can be wounded. So it's weakened. Its effect is maybe weakened, we can assume. It's like our world's version of immortality is when you don't die from. (laughs) You get shot and you just sort of somehow don't die. Yeah. Well, we'll miss the show, but I won't miss trying to come up with the the filling for the plot holes. (laughs) Do you know who we will miss, though? Our heroes. It's not always our heroes that you're referring to when you ask no. a question like that. <laughs> I know, because I already did it once, but then I gave the answer really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> but we will miss our heroes. They help us do this podcast. Not always literally, although we have had some guests, but but in the logistics, because it actually turns out costs a lot of money to keep hours and hours and hours of audio recordings online and available for download and keep a very active forum online and keep it from crashing all the time. So we would like to thank all of our heroes and for this episode specifically, Lisa Slack, Lisa R, James Kinslow III, Greg Shope, our new hero, Matthew Rimmer or Rhymer, probably Rimmer. I don't know. You can you can send us feedback, Matthew, and tell us how to say your last name. We have to make that request of most of our new heroes. <laughs> if you out there would like to find out how you can join with us and help us keep this podcast going, we're going to have expenses even once the show's done uh, and some further episodes, probably some further content. So we we know we want to do at least one kind of special episode probably after our review of the finale and we may have some other stuff uh, in the not so distant future but if you want to see how you can help us do that you can go to oncepodcast.com slash hero and we also have all of our heroes on patreon 19 heroes on patreon right now so thank you all again that is oncepodcast.com forward slash hero thank you for your support We'll miss you. (laughs) We'll visit from another realm. I'm going to miss segueing into heroes so much. No, you people are awesome. That's why we still do this. We're sitting here whining about the show because we love you. (laughs) (laughs) You know what else I want to whine about? (laughs) (laughs) That could just always be our segue. Do you know what else I want to whine about? (laughs) 
What else, Jeremy? The same thing I've been whining about since season two. The timeline? Why are they using... (laughs) Yes. No, why are they using the wrong names? Oh, yeah. Why would Rumpel call Regina Ronnie talking to Facilier, who, as far as we know, has never not been awake? Never known her as Ronnie. I don't get it. Je ne sais pas. I just don't get it. They hold on to this we are both thing a little too tightly. Yeah, I agree. I didn't even notice it. I don't notice it anymore, (laughs) but you do. I do. And I think it's because somehow, maybe because it helps me keep the timeline straight. I'm going to consider this a skill. I now call people in this season, especially by their name, depending on whether they know their name or not. How do they know themselves? So in the flashbacks, I've been saying Alice, and in the present, I've been saying Tilly, because she doesn't know her name, but I call all the awake people by their actual name, because they know their name. And I struggle to keep even that clear, so I just call them whatever comes out (laughs) when I'm talking about them. Well, maybe that's what they're doing, too. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's just one of the writer's tug-of-wars. Which name are they going to be today? <laughs> right. They're like, we made these names, so we're going to use them. <laughs> no, I don't know. I've almost, I honestly forgot that Alice's name was Tilly for a while. Really? I don't think I referred to her as Tilly at all in this episode. It makes sense when they do normally because her father does not know her name or who she is. True. Usually they're talking to they're talking to somebody who knows her as Tilly and she thinks of herself as Tilly so it makes sense. Yeah, that's true. Speaking of Tilly, I loved the juxtaposition of in the past when she's with Robin, she's the one who's had all the cool adventures and Robin's the one who's been kind of stuck and not gotten to explore much, but then in the present when Tilly is with Margot, she's not had any adventures to her oh. knowledge and Margot is the one who's seen the world and is like telling her all about it that's true it was cool i hadn't realized i also i had to laugh when Margot started out trying to make her feel better by saying oh yeah traveling by books would be so much easier like all those times i got stuck in all these amazing <laughs> places <laughs> it just turned into this actually no traveling's really amazing but she never she never said it that way. I just it, she went all in one sentence from "Oh no, believe me, don't feel bad that you've never gotten to do this." To "Oh yeah, I got I, I actually every place I ended up stuck was so amazing. I got a souvenir." <laughs> it was cute though that they went to the travel section and then she said, "You can go anywhere in the world without taking a step." When did she say that before? Did she say that um, before? I don't remember her saying it before, but it wouldn't surprise me since she grew up in a tower. That she's developed <laughs> that kind of imagination. It's probably something she just said in the past in the tower. Well, she did say, I sometimes believe as many as six impossible things before breakfast. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing, right? Right, right. So I feel like they're doing something with Tilly, maybe for a while now, but especially in this episode, that I can't decide how I feel about it. It's as if they're using her to represent or educate about people with some sort of maybe mental mental, health struggle. Yeah, exactly. 
And so on the one hand, so there was like her little outburst in the bookshop and then her explanation of good days and bad days and and showing some acceptance on Margot's part of, you know, good and bad days. And and that, that's kind of cool, except that because again, there this I feel like it's similar to what they do often because it's a magic-based story and it's so weird anyway. They try to do a thing and they come up with a situation that doesn't apply to real life. I feel like, is it cool that they're they're sort of addressing those issues or is it unfair because, as it turns out, Tilly doesn't have those issues. Everything that's happening to her is real. But is it? Because Alice was kind of weird too. With stuff she like that in the was, past. But so like the buzzing in her head and, and everything, there was a literal magical dagger in her backpack that was speaking to her. So it wasn't like it's just a mental health struggle. She was having a legit thing. Right. And I don't think anyone would have done differently. Not much. That's true. Yeah. Except that she actually just rolls with it better. So I, that's why I, I struggle with how to feel about it. Because it's like, okay, cool that you're you're kind of bringing up this dialogue, but kind of bad that it's that it is actually not just simply a mental health struggle. Yeah, and we have like even in in this podcast, like we've literally used those words like mental health struggle, referring to Tilly and Alice specifically. I want to say in the episode where she fought the troll because she like manifested that to help her, and we were we were mm-hmm. talking about that, and so I do. Like, it's always hard, I find, in, like, sci-fi or fantasy shows when they're trying to have metaphors and, like, apply things to to real life. And so many of the shows that I've watched growing up did that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like, it is, it is, it's an interesting discussion, for sure, from what you're saying. Because I'm even thinking of, like, I already referenced it, the episode of Buffy that couldn't air in Canada or sorry, that couldn't air in the States was about school violence. And it was meant to air right after uh, a major act of school violence in the States Mm. and therefore they couldn't air it. But the whole, the whole um, premise of that was, you know, she could hear everybody's thoughts. And then she heard the thought of a fellow student saying that they were going to kill everybody. And that made it really real, right? And then it turns out that it wasn't monsters at all. It was legitimately like an act of school violence that was about to happen. Oh, I see. So I think they can do justice to both. I do feel like it's a little late now in the series to be bringing such a big topic Hmm. in, if that's what they're doing. (laughs) Yeah. But I loved her explanation of it. Like, at the end, sometimes I have good days and sometimes I have bad days and I'm not ready for you to see the bad days yet. I think that that would be how anybody that has any type of struggle would feel. Mm-hmm. And to have that reassurance was really nice. Yeah. This whole relationship building thing between Tilly and Margot being presented at the same time as us learning that Alice is the guardian and has magic that is quite powerful and that she has this destiny and had the dark one dagger, it just, it made me really, really, really look back on the page from the storybook that Lucy got when Jacinda and Henry were about to share true love's kiss. And I was thinking, I I just kept thinking like, 
do we know that it has to be Henry and Jacinda's true love kiss to break the curse? And I just feel like it maybe isn't going to be their kiss. And this episode just made me think that it could be Tilly and Margot. And the page just said, if true love's kiss should ever break the curse, Henry Mills would surely die. So I'm wondering if they are going to play with that a little bit because they are magical. And I do believe they were the last kiss that we saw before the curse hit as well. I suppose they could go that direction. Yeah. I'm just wondering if they're going to, because it's so predictable that Henry and Jacinda are going to be the ones. And there's nothing magical about them. Well, it would also be kind of the point of the story. It would be the point of the story. That's true. To some degree. But was Emma the savior because she had magic? Emma was the savior because that's how the curse was written. But was it written because she was going to have magic? (laughs) Did her magic have anything to do with it? Because it was the failsafe of the curse. Like they put, like he put true love in the curse. I don't know if she was ever going to have magic, to be honest. No, but she had already, I thought she had already had magic before that. Maybe not. Mm -mm. Things had happened around her. When did she touch the hat? And make it work. Was that in season two? Yeah, that remember. was. That was when the uh, the uh, Dementor thing, the Wraith. Oh, yeah. Remember when the Wraith came and they were in the, that was one of the mayor office smackdowns, <laughs> I think. Well, season two has been in the vault for a very long time. We try not to let it out. So. Yeah, that's true. I love season <laughs> two. Did you? I think in retrospect, I might. <laughs> after everything it's probably way truer to uh what we might consider the canon of the story even though it is all canon it doesn't all connect very well (laughs) the season 2a was before they got silly with that stuff true 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 um and i believe that that scene that i'm talking about was in the episode called broken which was the premiere (laughs) that's i was like the finale no the premiere of season two when they're trying to open the portal to send the wraith through the portal, Emma's the one who gave Regina enough magic to make it work, I think. Again, long time ago, and I didn't even podcast about that season. So. <laughs> but if we, if we don't do an extra episode, I would be very disappointed if we didn't do an extra episode <laughs> where we maybe shared some of our very favorite moments from this entire series. I imagine most of ours are going to be from season one and two. Yeah. But but mine's from season two. My very, very favorite. Anyone who's been listening long enough probably knows what it is, but. I have some very key favorite moments, and a lot of them are Snow and Regina scenes. I was dead. Uh, not that one, but one <laughs> directly preceding that is one of my favorites. Hint, hint. Is one of your favorites when Mary Margaret's in jail and Regina's like, you do deserve this. I and she goes, don't think I it was I don't know that. what this is about. I don't know what I ever did to you, but whatever it was, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, one of our special episodes this is going to be you reenacting <laughs> all of season two. <laughs> That was season one. Oh, okay. Oh, right. That would have to be season one. Cool. <laughs> That's so funny. All right. That was, well, that was my theory. And 
I don't even know if I like it. I'm just, I got that idea. Well, if Tilly is like the savior of this season, it just kind of works. I still like the idea that Emma's going to come back and break the curse. I don't know what I like anymore because <laughs> for being such a central character, they've really shoved Henry off into the margins. That was definitely a writer pun, by the way. <laughs> and I think that he should be, this is supposed to be him finding out what his story is. And I know he's like, yeah, I just want a good life. Well, that's fine, but we want a good story and he's supposed to be central to it. So I feel like they should... kind of always do that, though. I know, but do they have to buck every single predictable thing, including continuity? Like, <laughs> They don't have to always just say, what's the right thing to do? Let's do the opposite. That seems to be their MO at this point. It's weird. That's true. I have to write down what you just said because it was hilarious. <laughs> so have you ever experienced sleep paralysis? I have, actually. <laughs> it's terrifying. Yeah, for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, it's that thing where you're awake, or kind of awake. You're actually asleep, but you can see. But you're asleep, so you can't do anything about it. You can't move, and you try. You can't yell or talk, but you try. Maybe you can manage like a moan. I remember distinctly... When I was a kid, having fallen asleep on my bedroom floor, and my only goal, all my strength, was just to touch my toes to the dresser because I felt like that would wake me up. That would prove that I was awake or something. It was horrible. It feels <laughs> like it goes on forever. Well, that's so. where I think Henry is. <laughs> he has proof, and he believes that he's Lucy's father, and he has no idea how that's possible. He's seen all this stuff. And he believes, but he's not awake. But that was like, it wasn't quite like Emma. But Emma saw so many things. She did not just, believe. She did not believe. So it's like the opposite of Emma, I guess. Yeah. But their end result is the same. Henry's been open to the ideas for a little while now. And he wanted to go back to Nick's apartment specifically to see the documentation, which he then confirmed with the hospital. And now and, he knows it's true. Yeah, and he he also knew the medical examiner's report about Nick, right? Did he get that information or was that mm, Rogers only? No, he didn't have that information yet. I don't even think Rogers had it yet. Who did? Oh, maybe. No, yeah, you're right. He might have had it. Somebody who's not awake knew that Nick was stabbed through the heart on the inside. <laughs> yeah, Rogers. Yeah, but uh, there's all this stuff and Henry actually kind of believes it and i keep you know back on at least what we all assume is going to happen it keeps feeling like henry's gonna kiss jacinda any day now and nobody's but ever they, there guarding them and i feel like at this point even if they if someone just suggest if like if lucy told him hey if you kiss her you're gonna wake up and you're gonna die i think he'd actually believe at least enough to avoid kissing jacinda like lucy has the piece of paper all she needs to do is use it true i mean there's got to be, <laughs> she's, I don't know. I was just going to insult her again, but I won't because she Bad wasn't even in this Aaron. episode. I know. It's so mean. <laughs> I know. She, yeah, she wasn't, she hasn't gotten enough screen time lately. 
I mean, maybe you're okay with that, but <laughs> <laughs> she is also central to this season and she's often missing. It's true. There was a moment where Henry was like, you okay? To I think he said it to Rogers and I was just like, oh my goodness, he sounded so much like Emma. Emma used to say stuff like that all the time. Just that. <laughs> you okay? Whenever something happened. Do we think Drew is like still in this or done? Oh, like is his story done? I guess he can't be done yet, but. I don't think he's done because I think that they're going to probably at least suggest that he and Tiana will have a happy ending together. I don't like that. I could be wrong about that. I mean, it may just be Tiana and Beignets. Like, that would be fine, too. Because Beignets yeah. are a central character. And I like them better than some characters. <laughs> Do you like them better than Cinnabons or Cheesy Pizza That Doesn't Lie? Mm, the Cheesy Pizza is pretty good. But I think that the Beignets might actually be able to contain the darkness forever. <laughs> and they'll never go stale. Dust? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, like this bag of beignets at the, in the last scene is going to come flying out of the rolling bayou and it's going to just swallow up the dagger and the darkness and it, you're going to see it pull. All these little beignets are going to surround Nook's heart and Henry's heart and they're going to pull the poison out and everybody's going to suddenly appear in their finest enchanted forest <laughs> attire and there's going to be a large wedding from multiple couples and then everybody will live happily ever after i think that's how the show will end it all comes down to the beignets (laughs) yep all comes down to the beignets so if they do see i'm thinking like i don't care if sabine and drew make up because i feel like that's just like i don't care about that and there's so many things that they need to wrap up but at the same time, it doesn't have to be a whole episode arc for them to... No, it doesn't. Like, he could just be like, hey, I just really want to tell you, this is what happened. This dude was blackmailing me. I stole some magic trust dust from your beignets. And... <laughs> but she's... But she's I love awake, you, so. and I'm really sorry. And <laughs> please don't fire me. And she'll be like, cool, I don't have a safety permit without you, so you're still on. <laughs> and then be like um you need a padded truck to <laughs> stay in forever because i don't know what you're talking about right no because he's awake and she's not so but they were already a couple in uh whatever realm they're from right no they weren't were they not they just met no, and then facilier took true. him away she actually kind of hated him I don't know. I I feel like I'm rem- I'm having dual memories of a lot of things in the show now because we've just been around and around so many times. What was their actual relationship? Where did they end up? Most people start out hating each other and end up kind of liking each other. They were just she did like him and she tried to save him but then he had like signed an agreement with Facilier and so then Facilier took him away at the end oh, of the episode. Oh yeah. Okay, so they did get out of the hate phase. Well then, I think they'll definitely end up at least somewhat together. Yeah, that's fine. I guess. Thank you. And <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Again, just get to the point. There are not very many. Well, 
So four episodes without commercials is about three hours of footage they have left to show us. Yep. So I expect a lot of the stuff to be wrapped up pretty quickly because I we haven't seen Gothel in so long. I'm not sure I care what she's up to. And Facilier, I really just, and Naveen, like whatever. What's happening? I don't know. End it. Figure it out because we've got a lot that would be more meaningful that I want to see. If they could wrap up Facilier. Being such a whiner. <laughs> if they could wrap up Facilier and Drew or Facilier and Naveen or like whatever, if they could wrap that up this week coming up and then save the last three episodes to literally be like breaking the curse and the smackdown with Gothel that inevitably has to happen. Like if that doesn't happen, I'm going to be really disappointed. Whose office do you think it'll be in? I think it will be in Storybrooke. So like back in Regina's office? (laughs) Should she stand about where the Black Fairy stood? No, I'm trying to think of what the outside equivalent would be in Hyperion Heights to outside grannies. They could do it in the lobby of the police station. But what... I guess there hasn't been, like, an outside. You know what? They haven't done an outside... Maybe they can't get those kinds of permits in Vancouver or something, but they they haven't done an outside magic battle in a long, long time. Which is why I said Storybrooke. Yeah. Somewhere where they have a soundstage for parts of streets. But I bet they don't have that stuff anymore. Well, I think just they would have to do it. Like, they couldn't do it, I don't think, in downtown Vancouver, because that would cause too much of a catastrophe for, like, traffic. Like, Vancouver's huge and super populated. And yeah, I think they would have to find, like, another little town that they could completely shut down that didn't look (laughs) too much like um, Steveston. And maybe we need something other than a battle where people are just holding their palms out at each other and letting the special effects department do the rest. Do you mean like a hand-to-hand combat? Yes. Like Regina punches Gothel out? I think Gothel should have plants as her weapons and, and, and Regina, all the things from the bar. (gasps) Oh, maybe the battle should happen at Ronnie's. (laughs) She just starts throwing all those polished glasses at her. <laughs> yes. I think that would be fantastic. Um, They've had battles in a lot of the other enclosed spaces in Hyperion Heights already. I just got, I was just like, oh, they're near the ocean. They could like use the water. And then I just got the vision of Voldemort oh, no. in the finale, or not the finale, in the Order of the Phoenix, I think. It was that one where he turns everything into water in that big smackdown between Dumbledore and Voldemort. Don't they like take the water out of the fountain and like, anyway, that's fine. (laughs) She could just bring a tidal wave. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Wouldn't it be funny if Gothel just wins? No, that would be horrible. (laughs) After all this, it's just... (laughs) If you think killing Neil was against the moral of the show... Gothel Everybody winning. dies. Everybody. Gothel starts the most hearty laugh. She starts slow and deep, and she just builds into the most hearty laugh we've ever heard from her. And then it fades to black, and they, they flash forward 10 years, and she rules the world. No more happy endings. Which has become a jungle and a forest. Right. Everything is jungle and forest. 
Yeah. Because Gothel. Yep. I'm full of the crackpot theories today. Are you done? Talking? I think I am. Okay. I think I think everything's done at that point. <laughs> so to go out on a better note than Gothel ruling the world, my favorite scene of the whole thing, and, and they keep having these amazing scenes suddenly that make everything else worth it. Rumple and Nook toward the end in the past, as Rumple had been largely had largely succumbed to the darkness. And he's starting his impish ways again, but with this heavy sadness. It was just it was like he was trying to be lighthearted and weird, but it was just too sad. Aww. It was amazing. <laughs> Robert Carlyle is amazing. He is amazing. So yes, that to me made it worth it. But it also leaves me with questions. So that's the state Rumpel was in. I guess we did have a scene, a flashback from earlier in the season where we were like, how did Rumpel get back like that? Actually, yes, we did. Wasn't it? No. But yes, we did. <laughs> I don't remember when. I, I feel like it was more recently than not. It could have been. I can't remember where it came in, but oh. I remember being afraid that that meant it was a wish realm rumble. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wasn't it when the curse rolled out? Because when the curse rolled out, he was back in gold form. Not Mr. Gold, that is. Gold skin. Oh. Because <laughs> remember when the curse hit, it was like him and Alice and Robin were all together. Oh, that's true. And he was like sheltering them, but it was like old school rumple stilt skin. That's what it was. Yeah. So now we know. And yeah. that makes me happy. I don't because know. Because that's continuity. <laughs> I don't know if that's the moment where we were like, when did he become gold again? But yeah. Right. Definitely. So I thought that was at least interesting, but it gives. So if the curse is broken, does he go back to that? And what does that mean for him? Is that another reason he's so desperate to do this now? I don't know. It seems like he was still, it, he was acting like old school Rumple, but he wasn't thinking like old school Rumple. He wasn't back to being evil. He was just talking Looking. that way. So he yes. wasn't completely back to it, though Regina thinks he is. Old school Rumple speak is the best speak. It's true. He's great. <laughs> <laughs> Regina sounded like we all sounded last year. She's so done. <laughs> <laughs> and has no more friends anyway, so. Yeah, she she thinks he hasn't changed. I think he has, finally. I think going back to yeah. beauty, that showed us everything that we needed to that know about that. That conversation frustrated me a little bit because I feel like he could have been like, listen, Regina. I didn't know my dagger was safe. Do you want somebody else to have my dagger? Do you want a new dark yes. one? Like, that's what's going to happen. So yes. I didn't know my dagger was safe. And here, let me help you find another way to save Henry. Or yeah, so so someone else has the dagger. She cures Henry. They break the curse. And guess what? Someone's got control of the dark one. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's like, that's that could... So then, whoever it is... Has a has it in for them and makes the dark one go kill Henry. 
So have they accomplished anything at that point? The dagger always <laughs> takes priority, I think. I don't think that he was afraid of losing the dagger in the same way that he has been in the past. That is, I'm afraid of losing my power. I think he right. was afraid of A, being in the control of somebody else and being forced to do dark things, or B, like what we just said, someone right. else has the dagger, A, he dies because he has to get stabbed to pass the darkness on to somebody else, I think. Yeah. But, you know, next week, whoever wrote next week's episode, they if they want to, they could just have Regina come back and be like, you know, I, get I was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess that's more like real life than I want to admit, but it's still kind of frustrating. Actually, that's true, too. <laughs> I mean, I just did it. <laughs> <laughs> the writers are terrible, although <laughs> maybe they're not. <laughs> so what do you guys think? Do you guys think that we have a lot of crackpot theories or do you think that we might be onto something? <laughs> Do you think that they died talk to Dr. Facilier through a payphone? <laughs> or do they use a can? <laughs> yeah. A can and a string. <laughs> but this does conclude our discussion of The Guardian, this episode of Once Upon a Time. If you would like to share theories with us about how the show is going to end or about something that happens in the next episode, please visit oncepodcast.com slash feedback to find out how you can share your theories with us. Please try to get your theories to us, your feedback um, sometime before Monday at noon-ish so that we have time to incorporate them into <laughs> our show notes. Although, like, as you witnessed tonight, we, we find a way sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And if you would like to further discuss this episode of Once Upon a Time, you can do that over on our forums, which is at oncepodcast.com slash forum. Please share this episode of Once by going to oncepodcast.com slash 339 and follow us on Twitter at oncepodcast. You can also follow each of us individually on Twitter. I'm Aaron and I'm on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz. I'm Jeremy on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And you can also follow Daniel on Twitter at the Daniel J. Lewis. Special thanks to our whole team of volunteers who helped to make this podcast possible. Jack for writing our show notes, John Buchanis for editing our episodes, Hunter Hathaway and Jacqueline for providing spoilers, Jacqueline and Matthew Paul for moderating the forums, Keb for masterminding our timeline, Daniel, Jeremy, Heather, Hunter, and Jacqueline for hosting the podcast. And until next time, you can put candy on anything if you try hard enough. And thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our heroes for supporting this episode. If you would like to be a hero too, please visit oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for your support.